back to another episode of CritCast, where the team behind Crit Facts talks about trans things and other things. Today we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Vivian Wolf. Hey, how you doing? I, of course, am still DJ Cthulhu, and I am joined also by Lunos. Hello. So, uh... As you, everyone who's listening may or may not know, we just released a video about anti-Semitism. And so we're going to elaborate a little more uh, during this podcast on that. Uh, so uh, what does everyone have, like, as initial reactions, you know, to having finished that video? Uh, that was a really tough one to get through, um, yeah. both on the production side and on the viewing side. It... Um, there was a lot there like that I was kind of peripherally aware of and a lot that I was just unaware of and um, being exposed to a lot of that was a lot to take in. It really is. And like at this point, I'm like really desensitized to that, which kind of is its own problem uh, that I'm just so desensitized. Uh, I mean, life is a Jewish trans person, but um at the same time it's like even then it's like there's a lot that's very sh that i recognize is very shocking in there that like to many people they don't know or that they uh, uh will or that will be startling yeah having followed this stuff for a while i don't think there was anything in there that i found specifically uh particularly surprising myself but i i recognize that the vast majority of people just aren't really aware of how conspiracist the uh, the anti-trans movement is, um, and I and, and I think it's good to to get as much of that out there as possible. Um, yeah, it really is. And one of the things I find is that a lot of people who you know aren't as knowledgeable about these things don't realize also that like ninety nine percent of conspiracy theories on some level are rooted in anti-Semitism. Hmm. One of the problems I have with what I do, uh, I, I, yeah, um, <laughs> so I am mostly an, a, a, an extremist researcher. I, I spend my time um, looking through the annals of history uh, of cults and extremist movements uh, and, and terrorist movements um, and popping into their Discord channels and their uh, and their forums, and sometimes even managing to get phone calls with them and so on. Um, and oh shoot, I lost my thread there. <laughs> what was it you said before me? <laughs> um, uh, we were talking about. I was talking about uh, how, how like uh, like almost all conspiracy theories on some level go into oh, anti-Semitism. Yeah, of course. Like I'm yeah. like I'm I, like I'm thinking through all the conspiracy <laughs> theories I've heard. And I've heard of a lot because I research this stuff. Mm. Um, but uh, I I'm struggling to think of one that isn't on some level or in some way anti-Semitic. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. Yeah, I, it's it's really frustrating because you know you you find a you find a new project. You're like, oh wow obscure Japanese cult. This will be outside of the Western sphere of influence. There won't be, uh, you know, it's not going to be the same. Um, and, you know, you dig down a little bit and you find that they've declared war on the Jews and you're like, ah, okay, fine, again. <laughs> I was hoping for a new and exciting bigotry. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's all horrible, right? But uh, if, if yeah. you're going to spend your time doing it, it, it can like, get a little tedious. No, no one ever, yeah. 
It's like no one ever makes up a conspiracy theory that's like, ah, there is this totally non-related to Jews conspiracy theory, go conspiracy going on with, mm -hmm. um, uh, on with, uh, that guy who sells cactuses. Yeah. No, no one comes up with that. No one's like, there is a conspiracy to rig cactus prices by my neighborhood cactus salesman, but which raises the question of why you have a neighborhood cactus salesman, because I don't, but, you know. So you I'm... I'm yet to find any anti-Semitism uh, in in Jim Jones and, and the Jonestown hmm. colony. If you guys remember that, that's the, the whole drinking the Kool-Aid thing. I was, I was reading thing. about that earlier today. Um, I'm so actually there's surprised there's, no... there's none in that. I, well, I, I never I said there well, was yeah. none, um, but I'm, oh, I'm, sorry. I'm yet to find it, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> to if, if I recall correctly, weren't they like uh, fundamentalist Christians of some type? Yeah, they were. Um, but I, they were also sort of very, at least in the beginning, very anti-racist, um, very anti-segregationist. -segreg they they got praise from uh, Andrea Davis mm -hmm. of the Black Panthers and so on. So, um, That's very, yeah. very uh, off uh, pattern. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it is it is almost ubiquitous that it that these kinds of things tend to go straight back to the Jews. But like, um, yeah, I think I I. It's very rare that you find an exception, is what I'm saying. But I think Jonestown might be an exception. But I'm sure somebody listening to this podcast will like send me some material and go, actually, did you know Jim Jones thought that the Jews blah blah blah? And I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. So. Of course, um, if they, of course, if they were, uh, it would also be. Uh, somewhat ironic, since if I recall correctly, they were also Marxist, and Karl Marx was uh, of Jewish descent. Um, so, uh, Karl Marx but was anti-Semitic. But as you then know, again, there's, yeah. there's, then again, well, I, I know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I do know <laughs> that there's definitely like a history of anti-Semitism that relates to uh, some of that. But at, at the same time, uh, I will say, bigots generally aren't big on like keeping track of, um, you know, what's of things. I, I will say that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you noted in your video, uh, just because there's uh, Jews involved in a movement. That doesn't necessarily mean that the movement isn't going to be anti-Semitic. Well, yeah, of course. Um, and uh, I think part of why uh, I pointed that out is because, uh, as we see all the time, these people try to defend themselves with like, oh, but there's a Jewish person I know. Like, um, I, uh, like I, yes, I, I recognize that there are some Jewish people probably who are involved in like GC stuff. I've seen them say, like uh, uh, today, um, uh, we only noticed this after releasing the video, and even if we hadn't, we wouldn't have had time to add anything about it, but uh, you may have noticed Helen Joyce put something on her website that supposedly is a rebuttal of her critics. And I remember that the ending of it says, look, it says, basically says, I have Jewish friends. <laughs> <laughs> the ending of it's like, I thank my colleagues, and especially my Jewish colleagues. Um, and it's like, we see what you're doing there. We see what you're doing there. Oh, good lord. We know the patterns. Yeah, but I also think it's like, it, kind of, in the GC movement at least, um, until you actually start looking, if all you read is the pieces in The Guardian or The Sunday Times or, uh, you know, it, it can be really, really difficult to, to, to see that anti-Semitism because it isn't, it isn't there on those, on those surface pieces. Right. That's that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. Because it's coded, which is why in the video, you know, I went to all those great lengths to talk about dog whistles. Like, um, I remember one example that I think I showed in the video, but I don't remember. Um, 
was I actually yeah I think I showed it um was uh the one by was a piece by Sarah Dittum you know famous for not being able to get her kids to help or husband to help out with the housework during the pandemic <laughs> um oh God, that she, was great uh, wrote this piece about um quote unquote and I quote Bolshevik feminists uh like Angela Davis yeah. taking over Uh-oh. and uh it's like and it's like, you know, I, I'm not a dog. I mean, one of my uh, good friends on the team uh, is a dog boy, but like, I'm not a dog girl. But my ears are ringing. Yeah. It, and, and of course, the, the whole accusation of Judeo-Bolshevism, um, yeah. that's, a, that's a continuing theme, really. Uh, you can track the evolution of this particular conspiracy theory of a... Uh, a control by Jews over the cultural apparatus of a society in order to push certain kinds of ideas or or values or change the way that society functions um, through, you know, Judeo-Bolshevism to cultural Marxism to uh, now wokeness, right? Uh, You'll see a lot of them writing about wokeness in very... And not just using that... I'm not just saying that that term is the same i'm saying they talk about wokeness and the wokerati right <laughs> or the yeah uh, they have in the same they have similar mechanisms yeah really telling that because like the only other group that gets as mad about things being quote-unquote woke is the alt-right and it's like mm-hmm. it's like what i said about like you're sounding a lot like the alt-right for a group that claims to be leftist yeah i i don't think i think there are a lot of left-wing people or people who had like left sympathies who um who might have joined the gc movement and hang out on its fringes right um but i think once you once you sort of accept the the central theory that there's a nefarious cabal uh attempting to feminize the western man or whatever it is you you want to believe right or or uh attempting to remove our humanity in places in almost like cyborg bodies so they can beam google ads directly into our brains like once you get to that fucking point you you've completely left any kind of left-wing um political sphere yeah and you're pretty firmly in the in the right-wing anti-semitic uh the jews control the world kind of thing yeah and that's why i I was uh really excited to help with this particular video because like i realized hey um like i knew that gcs were very conspiratorial but i didn't realize the extent to which conspiratorial thinking reuses these very specific tropes in this like almost traceable way we could almost like create a um lineology or uh genealogy would it be for uh these conspiracy theories and how they like have common ancestors and they branch but there's you know we we can trace them we can see where they come from you definitely could yeah you definitely could because like uh and, and that's why I picked, you know, those three. And as I mentioned in the video, bigots aren't creative. They don't like to make up, you know, new conspiracy theories when they can just reuse blood libel or say the Jews run the banks again. No, they run green gods, remember? Oh, no. <laughs> and that's... <laughs> I think it's important I mean, to... I did, just because, like, I did speak a bit about, like, the fringes. When I say that, I'm definitely saying... Uh, you know, ordinary people who maybe have had a minor brush with Mumsnet or seen some stuff in the media. Um, the 
the the problem with the GC anti-Semitism is that although you know some people might be attracted to the GC movement without being aware of the anti-Semitism at the core, um, all those prominent characters within the movement, those leadership figures, those organisations, have all been at some point supportive of these ideas, you know, from LGB Alliance promoting yeah. Jennifer Billick to um, exactly. Alison Bailey to uh, Sheila Jeffries. There's so many of them um, that have just been like, yeah, Jen uh, Jennifer Billick, she's, uh, she's on it. She's got some interesting ideas, guys. You should... You should listen to her, and then it's a short... ideas. Yeah, it's And then a she short... turns around and says, well, David Ick has some interesting ideas exactly. about the um, reptilians. <laughs> it, or Keith Woods, right? Like, yeah, no, or, yeah, notorious neo-Nazi. Yeah. yeah, and I, so it's a very, very short hop, hop, step, and a jump from, um, from those to, like, outright Nazis, which is should be alarming to anyone considering themselves left-wing, oh, yeah, who is starting be. to get involved in the GC movement. And uh, the, the video, actually, uh, I was talking to, uh, with the team about this earlier. We actually put this together in, like, record time. Like, the book came out, like, just, uh, like, I think less than two weeks ago. And mm. uh, we, like, I remember nine days ago was when uh, Rachel suggested, you know, we should make a video on this. And we hammered it out so quickly, not because the anti-Semitism wasn't there before. Uh, mm. It's been there a long time, as the video explained. But because uh, this was like the first time a lot of people were noticing it. Um, and in a way, it's like obviously important that people notice it, but it's also kind of frustrating. Like as a Jewish trans person, like this is something I've been, you know, talking about for a really long time. Yeah. This is something I've been, you know, very vocal about. Um, and, uh, and that other Jewish trans people have been very vocal about as well. And it's like... Well, you know, uh, I, I, both as a trans person in the United Kingdom, who has been talking about the rise of transphobia over here for a, for a long time, um, and as uh, and as an extremist researcher, I can absolutely sympathise with that feeling because we spend a lot of time trying to raise the alarm months, sometimes years before something happens. And then it happens and everybody's like, how did nobody see this before? And it, it's an extraordinarily did. frustrating yeah, and, and so we And so we kind yeah. of rode that wave of uh, popularity, um, yeah. you know, from, uh, from it. Now, uh, speaking of uh, Joyce's book, yeah, it, what it really took for people to notice was a best-selling book that basically said, George <laughs> Soros is making your kids trans. I I have to say I did get a little bit of like glee, a little bit of Schadenfreude out of uh, seeing Jennifer Billick accuse her of plagiarism. Oh yeah, plagiarism. definitely. Uh, it's a, it's was... like I remember I posted on Twitter like that GIF, you know, let them fight. Hilarious. They take each other out. It was. Uh, it was. Yeah, it's just like uh, like it. And my favorite part is how she basically steps up on someone accusing her of anti-Semitism and doesn't rebut that, but says it's so, <laughs> well, actually, it was copied from me. Look, I was saying this first. <laughs> and it's like, way to show you're not an anti-Semite. Priorities, <laughs> and right? Then of and then, of course, today, and as I mentioned, uh, this came out, you know, too soon for us to get it into the video, because the video, uh, you know, went up today, but... Uh, 
she posted this thing on her blog in which she claims to be rebutting her critics, but I read it and it really doesn't look like a rebuttal. Half of it's doubling down <laughs> and the other half is saying, the other half, um, someone uh, I don't know commented on my tweet in a way that I think really summarized it well when they said, uh, when they said, I just had tea with her will be the new I didn't inhale. <laughs> because it's very because she even admits to meeting Billick, you know, the one who said she copied, and says in response, like, um, on, uh, but then says, I didn't take any new ideas from Billick, mm. yet somehow I coincidentally happened to have the same ideas as her. And then it basically says, like, yeah, I was aware she was an anti Semite, but that didn't stop, and I, but that didn't stop me from calling her out. And it's like, well, this is well, clearly someone in the same movement as you. If you had half a shred of integrity and you cared, you would have. Like, when I see, like, a, a trans person or any person, really, even if it's someone who I generally would agree with promoting anti-Semitism or any other bigotry, I call their ass on that shit. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, th and yeah. I think it's also important that, like, you know, regardless of where she got her ideas from, that the same as Jennifer Phillips, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, even if it is convergent <laughs> evolution, it's like that really isn't a great defense. Yeah. Like, like, like I, she, she still fails to explain like how she's not anti-Semitic and she's like, well, it just happened to be Jewish. And it's like, I even addressed that specifically in the video. Maybe I'm clairvoyant. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, like, I wrote even... that script last week. <laughs> let's ignore all, of course, the, the prominent like pro-trans activists that aren't Jewish or the prominent progressives that are perfectly okay with trans rights or have donated to LGBT organizations that aren't Jewish, like... No, please, let's go please. straight for the Jewish yeah, billionaire that the alt-right is known for hating. Like, seriously, George Soros <laughs> is is not, like, a central figure of any of this. He's that guy that the far right, um, that the far right is known for, like, making conspiracies about. I'm gonna be honest, like, yes, George Soros is Jewish, but I don't have, like, some sort of Jewish hive mind. I wouldn't know who he was if it hadn't been for, mm. like, the far right constantly talking about him. Oh, God, it reminds me. And that's why me. I know who he is. Uh, same, with Pr same with Pritzker. I had no idea who she was until I started looking into this and, you know, doing some research. There, there's this great account that really helped out uh, that we talked to uh, called uh, GC Antisemitism that documents this. And they were like, oh yeah, Pritzker, no one's heard of her outside of Jennifer Billick, but uh, they're obsessed with her or this other one, Rothblatt, yeah. um, where you saw in the video, GC Antisemitism, they said they did a poll about her uh, to see if trans people and allies knew who she was. And it's like, none of them had a clue. She's leading our movement, though. What? But she's the founding. <laughs> she's the founding. She's the founder of trans rights. Uh, she's not trans people. A founding father, <laughs> as she's referred to by. Jennifer. Oh Indeed, God! Yes. Yeah. I I didn't say that because I didn't want to misgender her. But yeah. Well, uh, what did you remember? Hey, what did you remember? You remembered something, but uh, DJ was on a roll. Oh no! So sorry, I, sorry. I, I was gonna say about Martine Rothblatt, basically. Um, I, th I think oh, yeah. it's really, really telling that these these people that they focus on um, are clearly not huge figures within any kind of trans civil rights movement uh, because nobody's fucking heard of them, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah I actually, like you think if yeah. she was like our queen, we we would have heard of her by now. Um, it, so, it's like um, yeah. For the for fact checking, I actually went um onto like you know searching around. Uh, the Wikipedia article for George Soros doesn't even mention any involvement in LGBT charities. Like it's not a prominent feature in it's anything not his main he focus, does no, at all. Like if, 
if I recall like, correctly, he the donates main focus to some progressive charities, but that's it. Is like, if I recall, sorry, um, uh, if I recall correctly, the main like purpose of the Open Society Foundations has nothing to do with LGBT rights. It's um pro democracy stuff in uh, various countries. And it's like, uh, if you're opposing that, um, I got to ask you uh, what you're up to. <laughs> you know, um, if your whole thing is that you're anti-democracy, uh, you know, maybe in, or maybe um, some sort of authoritarian. Um, that's and, and it's like, that's why the far right has all the conspiracies about him, because they're generally not big fans of, um, <laughs> fans of you know, uh, people voting uh, who aren't them. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you, you've heard what you've heard what the Republican Party says these days in their party platform about, like, uh, you know, uh, make less people vote like Trump even said it. He features in the video, too, of course, um, he even got a cameo uh, where he, from him talking to the U.N. using peculiarly the same language that a lot of GCs tend to use. Mm -hmm. uh. And even talked about how a bunch of them preferred him over Biden, even though, and they even admitted he was a misogynist. And it's like, if you're voting for the openly misogynistic candidate, uh, and to be clear, I'm not saying Joe Biden's great or not misogynistic at all. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. But I'm like, if you're voting for the candidate who said, grab her by the pussy, mm. um, and that he couldn't resist uh, sexually assaulting women, yeah, are uh, you, you know, really you got a question, are you a feminist if yeah. you prefer that over a guy who, to be clear, hasn't really done much regarding trans rights. Like, to be clear, I'm thankful for what Joe Biden has done, but he's been kind of underwhelming in that regard. And I, I know I shouldn't have gotten my hopes up, but, you know, I kind of wanted to be optimistic. I, you know, and it makes me think of uh, Posey Parker and JF Gariepi as well. Um, yeah. So mm -hmm. she, she had an interview with uh, Jean-Francois Gariepi, who is... Yeah, I know uh, I butchered his name, yeah. Uh, he, we can butcher his name. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> I mean, true, true. He's an Nazis awful, don't deserve awful correct pronunciation. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, that, that, I mean, that's that's what I said about um Adelf. Yeah. <laughs> um. If it... But yeah, he's an he's an awful, awful human being. Um. But in addition to being a white supremacist and ethno nationalist, some might call him reasonably, I would say, a neo Nazi. Um. Mm -hmm. He also uh is is responsible for like molesting uh several i believe uh women with uh, uh like developmental disorders like they have been deemed by the courts unable to consent basically right I uh, that, uh, yeah, yeah and, i saw that uh, and i was just like you've got to be kidding me and, yeah, and, I, I gotta and admit. how are you a feminist if you if you want to associate <laughs> and support somebody like that like I just and it's, it's like i I, I gotta admit, um, that also, like, to be clear, I, I am wary of, um, you know, declaring, uh, uh, people, you know, to be unable of, uh, to consent. Like, as an autistic person, I've had that, like, said, I've, I've had people, you know, tell me that I can't consent to things before. Not courts, but, I, I mean, I'm wary, in other words, I'm, like, wary of these kinds of things. But at the same time, what he did is, well, rape. Rape is bad. Mm, yep. Um, and it's like, and I, I remember in, it's like all the... All the GCs were like so. There were a few that like said things to to. I will admit there were a few who did, but the rest were like, no, no, shut up. It's good for the movement. It's good for Posey. It's good for all of us. <laughs> oh yeah, it like... was pretty woof. Mm -hmm. it and went then straight she to IKEA. And then she goes on to uh, suggest that we need we need armed men in women's washrooms to uh, oh my god to protect them from the trans menace. <laughs> Maybe maybe I'm mixing her up with someone else, but didn't isn't she the one who also endorsed um uh, endorsed like um some uh 
of some far-right politician. Um, What's his name these days? He keeps changing his name. Tommy Robinson or something? <laughs> Fucking Tommy Robinson. I couldn't tell you off uh, the top of my head if she's endorsed him I, or not. I think so. she endorsed him, but I, I forget. Uh, maybe I'm mixing her up with someone else, so don't quote me on that. But I seem to recall that she may have at one point. I think... Um, uh, so the thing is that the far right in particular are leaning so, so heavily into transphobia at the moment. I mean, you have the, obviously in the slightly more mainstream spaces, I would say still quite far right, but, you know, with the uh, Republicans in the United States proposing a, uh, sweeping legislation across the country to uh, yeah. uh, limit people's access to medical treatment um, and, and get uh, trans people out of sports basically these uh so so they're leaning really heavily into that a lot of uh cpac last year all focused on trans people but if you spend any time like i do self-harming in the most awful way by going through all the stuff that these people write online a lot of it is about trans people and transphobia is a real kind of gateway to the far right at the moment it's a really good recruiting tool for them they've been going on about like drag story hours and all that sort of stuff, right? Um, and I think GCs see that and they're like, oh, okay, these people are worried about the same things that we're worried about. So they're our allies now, right? The the enemy of our enemy is our is our friend. Um, and then they and 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 then of course there's just so much crossover. There's uh, because they spend so much time um, sharing between them. You have that, uh, what would you say, um, that osmosis, right, where they, where the GC yeah. movement picks up ideas from the far right and incorporates them into their own ideology until they become yeah. basically the same movement. Yeah. Or how they're taking money from far right, from far right <laughs> uh, groups, you know, in the in the United States, like uh, the Heritage Foundation. We talked about that in our yeah. other video, GCs on the right, which did touch on the anti-Semitism, but like. This one went in more depth and it's like i um i, I remember uh that uh and, and it's like also of course the way that they're like you know talking positively about like far-right u.s politicians like marjorie taylor green like i, I included the screenshot that i remember finding of some gc saying like oh she's so sensible a lot of, and then there was one lower <laughs> down that was like a lot of politicians that i would have at one point considered fascist i now think are reasonable and it's like you know you might want like are we the fucking baddies <laughs> i mean that's the marjorie taylor green right like uh yeah. probably the most prominent QAnon candidate in the united states yeah. the famously known as the jewish space lasers woman right like if you're mm -hmm. on the same side as her you might you might want to check your priorities a little bit Okay. And, and once in a while, they, they do. Like, I've seen, like, I think now two different Mumsnet posts, mostly uh, from Rachel, who, uh, you know, uh, is willing to subject herself to all of this and <laughs> find these posts um, and post them on Twitter for the rest of us. Uh, but you once in a while see one where they're like, wait, do like, do you ever have an are we the baddies moment when you realize <laughs> that we agree with MTG? Um, and it's like, uh, and it's like, um, they post those on Mumsnet. And I know why they're doing it. It's it's because they want validation. Like they make fun of trans people for wanting like validation of names or pronouns or whatever. But they uh But at the same time, this is I'm mean, they're looking for validation of, you know, that they're not the bad people, that they're not, you know, on the wrong side of history. And it's like, as I've said before, if you have to ask yourself, like, are we on the wrong side of history? 
um, chances are you are. Like, I've never had to ask myself, huh, so I'm agreeing with, like, this really prominent uh, extreme right-winger. Um, am I the bad person here? I've never had to ask myself that. And it's like they do, and they and they get and they do get the validation there. Like everyone else is like, like look, some pe they're usually like, well, we have to work with the right and the left, uh, the left on abortion and the right on everything else, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Although I don't think they care much about abortion rights either, generally. Um, uh, I mean, they get pretty mad about Planned Parenthood, all right. Um, wow. But uh, at, the, at the same, and then it, it's like. They do get the validation, and, and then sometimes they play, like, the reasonable centrist thing. Other times they're like, and then other times they're like, like, oh, it's guilt by association. That's a logical fallacy, which I address. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're helping advance each other's causes, it's no longer simply that you, you happen to have associated with somebody. Um, and I, yeah, I, I mean, you covered most of it, but I think, I, I think people really need to kind of go, well, am I... Am I a feminist, right? What am I believe? Do I care about protecting women? And if I do, why would I want to cross promote, cross pollinate, um, advance the causes of people who are so fervently against the rights of women, right? Like we're talking from neo Nazis who want women barefoot and pregnant, right, in order to uh, increase the mm -hmm. birth rate to stop the white genocide. That's their that's their whole whole gig, uh, you know, to, to people like the Heritage Foundation who are anti-abortion, um, there are no, there are no good people in there marriage. that you want to work with. Yeah, anti-gay marriage. I think that's the other thing as well, right? I was only thinking about women's rights, but a lot of these people claim to care about, uh, claim to care about lesbians, you know, and the, the amount of homophobia and stuff that you see, yeah, well, not just yeah. with their allies, but, like, with the GC movement in general, and, like, it's a theme. And then when, when you see what they do to, like, lesbians who don't agree with them, like, obviously uh, my uh, experience is going to be a bit different, like, as a trans woman who's also a lesbian, but, like, uh, from what I know from, like, cis lesbians uh, who I know who uh, are anti-GC, they, they get, like, so much hate. Like, I've, I've seen GCs send these people, like, rape threats. I've seen GCs tell them, like, like you know, you're, like, to shut up. Uh, you know, for a group that seems intent on not weeshting, they Wait, really I want thought, other people to weeshed. I thought it was only the trans people who, like, sent rape threats. I, oh, I yeah. don't know. They love See, to play I the only exemplar fallacy. I only read mainstream media articles, so like I, I, I have <laughs> no idea that GC. People... Hey, a student wrote a really bad paper, and therefore all of the trans movement bad. And it's like that's a student. The te we don't even like some some of the other students were like yeah, but like the I, there was no indication that the professor even endorsed it or like you know didn't like fail that person outright or like. If, if, if I were, I were that, that professor, professor is like, like, hey, look, I get I get that you're angry, but this is not okay. This is it like anyway, I'm I'm going on a tangent. Um but first I did want to get Vivian's um analysis of like one of the reasons that I uh felt more comfortable focusing on trans issues is the perception I've been having lately that um transphobia is becoming a gateway to the right and especially the far right and therefore that's a hill that we really need to hold not just for trans people but for everyone down the line yeah so i did talk about that a little bit didn't i with the uh the right using transphobia as a as a recruiting tactic and so on um 
but when I first started doing, uh, you know, all the, the, the cult and extremist research and stuff, I think there were, there were a lot of people that I really wanted, uh, looked up to, and I, and I wanted to take, be taken seriously by, and I think also, if you're a trans person on, on the internet, right, producing any kind of content, and you produce something about trans people, or trans rights, that's what you become known for, and I didn't just Maybe it's some kind of internalized transphobia or whatever, but I, I, I wanted to be recognized for my contributions to uh, studying extremism and political extremism, right? Um, and I, I didn't want to be just another trans person talking trans rights on the internet. Not that I didn't appreciate those people, it's just like I didn't want to be pigeonholed into that. And that's definitely happened with me. Like, I had a, a debate with a prominent streamer about trans sport, and that is what I'm known for in certain spheres of the internet, right? They have no idea of any of the other work that I do. Um, and and because I wanted to be taken seriously by these other people I look up to in the, in the sort of extremist research sphere, I was like, I don't know if I want to talk about, like, trans-related stuff, right? I want them to look at me and appreciate me for the for, for the other work, um, and not just go, oh, that's another trans person who talks about trans stuff. Um, but I voiced this concern after quite a while of just being like, <laughs> you know, just trying not to talk about trans shit too much. Um, and I was promptly told by a lot of my, I would say, colleagues or or like whatever people who work in the same area. Um, that that's just fucking stupid and I shouldn't feel like that because transphobia does actually take such a prominent uh, position um, within far-right ideologies around the world, in fact. But, yeah, I mean, it it doesn't take much. Anybody could, anybody could, could see it, I suppose. Like I said, the, the prominent examples are, of course, things like CPAC and the Republicans push against trans people. Like, 90% of the Republican platform at this point is, like, trans bad, CRT bad, right? It's like, <laughs> those are the two things that they're yeah. kind of focused on right now. Um, so, yeah, I guess that was, that was silly of me, <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel so like... I the more, more marginalized, marginalized you are, then the more of a canary in the coal mine, mine you are, are as in a way, because like you have, as you face the, the brunt of different forms of bigotry, you're more likely to be aware of them for obvious reasons, and therefore you're best able to sound the alarms. Yeah, um, as I was saying, like from my perspective, like, um, you know, being Jewish and trans, it's like, um, I... It's like, I, this is something I've been talking about for a long time. This is something other Jewish trans people that I know have been talking about for a long time. And it's like, it took until this for people to, like, at all listen. And it, it's frustrating. But it's, like, also just not the first time this has happened. Like, um, all the time, there are, like, all of these things that happen like that. Uh, and regarding, like, getting, um, uh, regarding the, the rest, um, about transphobia being a gateway to the far right, um... I think, uh, would you say it's accurate to say that it is a gateway, but it's also because they feel like they've lost, um, you know, the, the hill on gay people, so they're trying to hold this hill? Um, because I, I feel like, I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels a lot of the time like a lot of transphobia is reheated homophobia because mm. after, you know, gay marriage got legalized in the U.S. and most of Europe, uh, conservatives in those countries kind of had lost the battle 
against um, against gay marriage. Um, and so they decided to take this new uh, so that, you know, they're still holding off on trans people because they feel like that's some ground they still hold. Would you say that's accurate? Um, yeah, I would say I would say so to a certain point. I think, you know, I think that that transphobia is is basically just homophobia for a lot of these people. Like they don't understand the difference between like homophobia and uh, or between homosexual people and trans people, right? Mm -hmm. Um or if they do understand that there is a difference, they 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 don't think that it's particularly um noticeable. Uh, well, they deliberately conflate them. Yeah, yeah, quite often. Um I mean, you know, the trans agenda, the gay agenda, the uh one of my friends put out an amazing video on uh, transphobia in the uk uh sheep in the box you should check him out he's a really good guy um he spoke about um you know section 28 uh here in the united kingdom which was a uh an anti-gay propaganda law much like they have in russia right now actually um where you couldn't teach about gay people in school, right? I think the actual wording of the bill was something like uh, the teaching of homosexuality as a pretended family relationship, right? Really, really awful language to use there. But that was in place through much of my childhood. I think it was finally abolished in all parts of the United Kingdom uh, when I was 15 years old. Um, so that was, that was pretty much my schooling. And a lot of the arguments that we used uh, in order to support that, are the same arguments that get used against trans people now, right? Like, do you want gay people sharing a bathroom with your kids? Do you want, um, you know, they're trying to indoctrinate young children into being homosexuals. Like, these are, they're, they're the exact same arguments, just recycled, I suppose. And I, it must be incredibly frustrating for those people who are, like, maybe five to ten years older than me who really got to see all of that, because I was quite young when those arguments were going on by the time I was cognizant enough to understand these issues at all. Um, nobody was teaching or talking about them because it was basically illegal. <laughs> so, but those people who saw the build-up to that and the arguments being made in support of it, seeing them being reused now, I think, um, it's got to be incredibly frustrating just to see those things flare up constantly. It's uh, so especially it's, frustrating, I, if I may. Uh, um, oh, sorry. Uh, but yeah, it's especially frustrating when um, you know, we talk about, like, especially those of us who were out as gay um, like 10 years ago when, when, yeah, things were as heated for gay people as they are for trans people now, in my opinion. Um, it, like... It's really frustrating because we recount, hey, this is exactly what we dealt with. Like, you're just like, it's literally the same tactics, it's the same narratives, it's the same stuff, just, just used again. And people like GCs uh, will claim that we are um, trying to weaponize gay people when they are also like very specifically trying to misrepresent how gay love works as if it's like a clinical classification instead yeah, of you know a cluster of human emotions <laughs> yeah yeah the whole uh homosexuality has to do with sex has to do with genitals thing um yeah 
can be... Sorry, go ahead, Felix. Oh, uh, you, you were saying something? Oh, I, I, I guess that yeah, a lot of, a lot of turfism uh, is is extraordinarily gender essentialist. I mean, it kind of has to be because the the trans position uh, or the pro trans position, I suppose, is that well, gender's a fuck, right? Like gender <laughs> is uh, mercurial. It's a social construct that has meant different things at different times. That doesn't mean that it's not rooted in some kind of like biological reality, right? Um, but that it, uh, but that our conception of what, what, uh, what constitutes a man, what constitutes a woman, has changed over time. And the the turfist understanding of what it is to be a woman, um, they want to root it in some kind of biological fact. And you know, this reminds me of the argument around around uh, transport actually in because you have to segregate into these two categories, right? There's been this long process of trying to determine how to say, you know, who is a man and who is a woman so that we can have the segregation of categories. And it started with genital examination, right? External genital uh, examinations. If they suspected that somebody wasn't the, the, the sex that they were saying that they were in order to compete in the sport. Um, and then it moved on to uh, like blood tests, to like chromosomal tests, right? And we're at this point now where the IOC and the IAAF both sort of classify uh, people based on their blood serum testosterone levels, right? And we can see that even that has serious problems, serious failures in being able to determine. Uh, whether or not somebody is a man or a woman, right? Uh, do you have things like Castor Semenya? I think any, or almost any actual feminist would be horrified at the idea that a woman who had a sexual developmental disorder that resulted in hyperandrogenism uh, is being forced, basically, to take hormones to suppress her testosterone uh, in order that she can compete as the gender she is, as the biological sex that she is. I mean, you could argue that she's intersex, but she's basically uh, female, right? Um, they should be horrified by the idea that this is, like, forcing them into it. And likewise, GCs are always constantly looking, you know, so it was like uh, the ability to give birth. Oh, well, some women can't give birth. Okay, well, small gametes and large gametes. Some people don't produce gametes, right? So they're always trying to uh, pin something yeah. down and, and, and unfortunately when, it doesn't work you that can't way produce gametes. it's like uh uh it's like well what gametes were you designed to produce or something and it's like <laughs> yeah. no no one it's like that, that then you're just getting into like creationism essentially it's like yeah. i wasn't designed to produce any gametes i just happened at one point to have produced some kind and i most likely don't anymore uh but the, the point is like uh it's like no one's designed by any of this we mm. any of this this is the result of like a lot of evolution and they'll often point to that and it's like well how do you think that the idea of uh that you claim of binary sex would have evolved do you think one day there was no there was no sex at all and then the next day suddenly there were exactly two immutable sexes and that that's mm. how it stayed since like that, that's just not how evolution works yeah, yeah, and it is, and it is just that really. It's that um, attempt to 
ignore the idea of gender entirely, right? Or gender as we understand it now. Um, and, and just say there are two sexes. There is man, there is woman, right? And these are, these are biological categories. And they are completely distinct from each other. And it, it's a denial of reality. It's a denial of, like, what we, what we know. Like, uh, not only is gender bimodal, uh, but sex is bimodal, you know. And if you try to pin down one specific, uh, one specific attribute or trait um, that makes somebody a woman, or to make somebody a man, you're gonna have you're gonna have problems because you're going to you're going to end up realizing that there are people out there that you would consider to be a woman um that don't express that trait, no matter what you choose. Yeah, yeah like, as I've seen mentioned before, there's like literally no way, no one thing you can point to that every uh, or criterion you can make that every cis woman fits, that no trans woman fits, or vice versa. Um, like, uh, like for instance, um, even if you like, if you go with chromosomes, like there are people who have like De La Chapelle syndrome and have XX chromosomes, uh, but then uh, were assigned male at birth. Um. Uh, or you have, or if you go, and plus there's like cis women then with uh, androgen insensitivity syndrome who have XY chromosomes, um, yet were assigned female at birth. Um, and that's what and, they say, uh, isn't it? Like that sex is, uh, sex is not, um, what was it? That sex is not assigned at birth, it is observed, right? And the yeah, way it's which observed is, is through basically external genital examination, yeah. right? Which yeah, is yeah. not which we recognise in almost every other category is a really shit way of doing things. Um, but you know they'll say, oh well, in ninety nine point eight percent of uh, uh, cases, it it's accurate, right? Which but, is a nice way of saying, way of saying that intersex people don't matter, and that's yeah. that's another thing we gotta a push against. Oh, yeah, yeah, and they're always saying like, "Oh, intersex people are all either male or female," and it's like that's the mindset that drives like intersex genital mutilation. Yeah. Um, you're you're trying to shove people into these boxes, and like every major intersex group has explicitly said like, "Don't do this." Um, mm-hmm. now. Has there been in the past, and they, they say like trans people are, you know, using intersex people. Now, definitely, I'm sure there have been like trans people who've used intersex people as rhetorical devices while not really caring. But like at the same time, a lot of the things that trans people want would also benefit intersex people mm-hmm. um, and vice versa. And overall, I think the two communities, which do have a sizable overlap since, you know, a fair number of intersex people are trans. Um, but at the same time, it's like. Like, uh, I think those two communities have a lot more in common than is different. And, you know, then, of course, GCs, you know, will claim to stand for intersex people and, you know, endorse intersex genital mutilation, or at least the mindset that leads to it. And, well, that's kind of where the story of crit facts starts, isn't it? Well, you know, that 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 clear division, I think, is the um, uh, is the rebuttal to the idea that turfism or, or gender critical ideology, whatever the whatever you want to call it. Um, is feminist in any kind of way because those those foundational fundamental building blocks of feminism are about autonomy, right? They are about autonomy from the oppressive patriarchal uh, societal structures that kept women um, from being able to exercise that autonomy, and it's about autonomy for uh, people of all sexes, 
right? Uh, whether it's uh, whether it's cis women, trans women, um, uh, intersex people, whatever, right? I think if you are endorsing a movement that is restrictive of the autonomy of other individuals to like use and understand and uh, experience their bodies and their uh, their lives as as they want to, provided they're not you know causing undue harm to other people. If you're, if, if, yeah, it's, it's an authoritarian ideology, not an ideology that is rooted as feminism is in expanding autonomy for those who've been denied it. Of course. Um, and I remember um, not that long ago, uh, Grace Lavery, uh, who is, uh, of course, a trans woman and feminist uh, and uh, academic um, in, I believe, Berkeley, uh, she, um, I remember she mentioned like that cis people and trans people, uh, kind of cis women and trans women, you know, benefit each other. Um, and there are definite benefits to trans rights for cis people as well. And I remember uh, one thing that was pointed out a lot um, uh, by her and uh, others who agreed with her uh, was, uh, was of course, bodily autonomy. Like, I, I have never met a trans person who opposes abortion, for instance. Um, <laughs> Like, is, is there one? Possibly. But it would be someone like Blair White who happens to agree with the GCs. Yeah. Yep. It's... And who the rest of the movement hates. I actually don't know what Blair White's stance on abortion is, but I would guess she's against it. Same goes for Caitlyn Jenner. But once again, that's someone the movement hates. Like, I, used um, to, I used to know. Like, I've never met. <laughs> I used to know Blair White. Long, long, long I'm sorry. time ago. I'm we... so sorry. Apologies. <laughs> We we were on the same political forum uh, for a long time, um, back in the back in the early twenty tens, uh, and she was very liberal and very anti all the right wing people on there that were like transphobic and stuff. And what happened? I, I think this is where we get into understanding um, partially how the GC movement and how the right wing movement and how cults in general uh, tend to. Uh, tend to pull people in, um, because I would say that Blair White's story, I mean, don't get me wrong, fuck her, she's a horrible fucking person, right? Yeah. Um, yep. but her story is somewhat of a tragedy. Uh, she said this openly, so I'm not going to be um uh, revealing anything that she hasn't said in public already. But uh, a, a significant portion of her family rejected her when she came out, right? Um, and. You know, she found communities elsewhere, and she made one of her first videos, if not her first video, was a video talking about how um, how there are also advantages to being viewed as a woman by society, right? Like, people hold doors open for you, they're generally more considerate. If you get, uh, like, attacked yeah. in the street, you're What's more usually likely referred, to be helped. You know, yeah, and in yeah. feminist theory, it's usually referred to as like benevolent sexism. Yeah, yeah, or, uh, with the benevolent in air quotes, of course. But um, but yeah, she made this video, and of course, she gets absolutely love bombed by all the anti-feminists. Right, we're in the height of the anti-SJW era at this at this time. And she just gets fucking love bombed by them and finds some validation, some opportunity, right, some ability to carve out a life and a community, which previously, I would say, probably seemed um, difficult to achieve for her, uh, and she fucking grabbed onto it with both hands, right? And she found that community, but that community doesn't 
that community doesn't accept her. And I think one of the saddest things um, I saw was that she was recently on a panel with a bunch of other right-wingers. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, one of them said to her uh, something along the lines of, what was it, the best thing you can do... Yeah, the do best thing you could do... ...to grow out your moustache and basically saying she should detransition if she wants to promote, like, conservatism. Um, yeah. And... Uh, yep. So these, so you know, those people, um, uh, you know, people like Rose of Dawn or Debbie Hayton or what's the other one? She begins with an M. I can't remember. But like oh, uh, Miranda Yardley. Miranda, Miranda Yardley. Yardley, absolutely. So Debbie Hayton was like abused for trying to use the women's toilets at some turf convention, right? Um, uh, she denies that that happened now, but it was a big thing at the time. Um, Miranda Yardley has been uh, used as like kind of a poster child and, and on various things for like the the trans woman who doesn't pass, right? Um, which is like GCs will pick on trans women that they think don't pass and use them as pictures in their memes and stuff. Miranda Yardley has been used quite a lot like that. And so the, the, the people that you found, the community that you think you found, the opportunity that you've gained, right, is not only at the expense of people who are a part of your own community and suffer the same kind of bigotries that you do, they're not people that, that accept you for who you are or want to advance your well-being in any kind of fashion. And I think that, that, that that's the really, really sad part, is that these people are essentially stuck in abusive relationships um with these yeah. with these movements yeah. it's, it's, it's like well, well i don't really have any sympathy for like the debbie haytons or the fiona orlanders or the rest uh, I, I do in some way like i don't have any sympathy for them because this is you know kind of a, a bed they've made for themselves then shat in um and then in it. but the, the thing is uh it, it's like even though I don't have sympathy, it still just kind of shocks me, like, mm -hmm. how horribly they get treated, and yet they keep coming back for more, because they realize, and I think they, on some level, do realize that by doing this, you know, they've forsaken themselves from their entire community. Like, if Debbie Hayden, you know, came back tomorrow and, you know, showed some sort of remorse and was like, I wish I hadn't done that, well, one, I probably wouldn't believe her, because it would be right up their alley to do, like, a fake redemption arc, but also, even if she was somehow truly genuine and we could prove that, I, I don't really think most people would really want to welcome her with open arms after all she's done. Well, yeah, and this is something that I do talk about a lot with regards to, you know, de-radicalization from extremism, uh, you know, like Nazis leaving the movement, getting their tattoos removed, all that sort of stuff, right? I think it's very important to say that there is always a way out for these people. Um, and you are correct in that people are going to be skeptical, and it's and some people will never forgive for the shit that you've done. Okay, um, but there are others who will, over time, uh, come to support you and say, you know, you fucked up, you did some bad shit, but you're trying to, you're trying to make it better, and that's the important thing, right? Is that like redemption isn't just coming out and saying, oh, I'm not a Nazi, I'm not a turf, I'm, you know, I'm leaving the right or whatever, right? That that is the first step. That is the first step uh, on an, on a long path of making amends and trying to uh, trying to uh, 
right the wrongs and do the you know show that you you really have are, are genuinely contrite um and 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 it is difficult um but and uh and i've, I've spoken my opinions about this on twitter as well uh so uh well so I, I agree that there is a way out but i also think that the way out does not always mean you know that you'll get um you know to where you would be if you hadn't done it in the first place like uh mm. as you mentioned yes yeah, some people you know won't, won't forgive and at the same time i also think that the thing we should really prioritize above, you know, the redemption arcs of uh, former Nazis or TERFs or whatever, mm -hmm. is the safety of uh, other marginalized people. Oh, like, I, always, like, I, think, I always say that. I, I think that should be prioritized, agree. yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I completely yeah, so, agree so with agree, you. Yeah. I, I, I think that yeah. should be the priority. Um, like, as, as, like, as a Jewish person, like, I'm, you know, probably going to be very skeptical of, like, someone who, you know, was a Nazi and come forward and maybe they can demonstrate that they've changed but at first you know I, i'm definitely going to be skeptical largely for my own safety yeah no and 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 you should be right um i think that you know we uh recently there's been all that crap about Ma uh matthew heimbach right on the uh on the yeah. the, the, the medicare for all march and yeah. uh you know he was promoted by light upon light which is an organization that claims to be like a counter extremist organization but continuously just gives book tours to people who've just gone yeah no i'm leaving the right and then there's a book tour for you right like that's not how it works like there, <laughs> there is a process right um uh, yeah. but but i think it's in, I, I think it's also important to note that like we mentioned right uh it feels like these people are in abusive relationships with the groups that they're part of okay and i've definitely heard like uh you know I think this is a common understanding among sort of people who do study like cults and so on. Um, that that those kinds of coercive, high control groups, right, do do exert a kind of power and a kind of abusive power that is very similar to that that you find in an abusive relationship. Um, and so the 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 community that you have where you are in that kind of hate movement, okay, uh. It, it's bad, it's toxic, it's, it's harmful, and whilst there may be some people who will never forgive you outside of the movement, right, there, there is a community there that will be supportive to you, right? And I think those are, those are kind of the two choices that you have um, as somebody who has done any kind of significant amount of harm, especially if, that, if, especially if that's very public and you're a very public figure like somebody like Blair White or Debbie Hayden or whatever, right? Um, you know, it's it's choice between an a, an abusive, destructive community that is never going to treat you like a human being and values the 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 objectives and goals of of the movement among uh, above your welfare, uh, and and the potential for a supportive group of of friends and so on uh, that will uh, that will help you through. Uh, what will be an extremely tough period of, of sort of reconciliation, learning, and growing. Basically, every every former extremist that I've spoken to, uh, who who I would take seriously as being somebody who is actually contrite, um, will say that like this is a process that is ongoing, even for them, even ten years after leaving like some white supremacist movement or whatever. Like still learning, still understanding. And and trying to uh, trying to correct some of the, the the crappy things that they've done in the past or contributed to, yeah. 
Um, I actually like uh, your feedback on sort of like, because I see a lot of arguments for pragmatism of uh, de-radicalization, which I find like I can't really argue for or against them, but like it's the notion that, you know, each person de-radicalized is one fewer Nazi, which is true. And like the fewer Nazis that there are, the safer people targeted by Nazis will be, and okay, like, that also follows, um, but it, at the same time, we have to balance, like, I feel like a lot of people are trying to, like, carrot and stick model, they're trying to, like, lure people out of Nazism with, with carrots, and yeah, then... Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't think that's good. Okay, I want to be super, super clear, like, I'm, I'm very, um, oh god, how to put this? You can't, you can't make friends with these people, right? Like, the people who are, like, actively trying to do harm to you, you can't, you, you can't facilitate their harm. Um, one of the big problems I have with Daryl Davis, right, uh, who's, who's the chap who's often lauded for collecting all those clan robes, I think there's, like, a documentary yep. on, on Netflix or whatever. I seem right? to recall one of the J.K. Rowling fans, one of the big GCs yeah. who likes her, uh, to be, you know, ringing endorsements of him. I, I remember one of them gave, like, a ringing endorsement of him. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. and, and people who are against the idea that we ought to... Uh, fight back, right, against uh, against extremism will often bring him up as an example and say, no, what you need is, like, uh, to come together, to have reasonable, rational debate and conversation. Um, All you need is love. Just like, yeah, just like Daryl Davis does. Look, he builds a bridge. Look how many people he's pulled out and stuff. First, I would say there's not really that much evidence to suggest that he's pulled as many people out as he says he has. Um, and secondly, the things that he's done in pursuit of this he bailed out a uh, a, a neo-Nazi. I think he's a Grand Wizard or a Grand Dragon. I can never remember the stupid fucking names these people have of the uh, of the Ku Klux Klan who fired his gun at Charlottesville. Right? He bailed him out. Oof. He stood up in court and and was a character witness for him. He handed his daughter away at her wedding. Right? And I would say this is a perfect example of somebody who has good intentions for sure, um, but who is is too fucking close. All right, just too close. And what you said earlier yeah. about prioritizing the safety of others from these from these people, absolutely, right? Like, I'm not saying that we need to have, uh, you know, a big old get together with all the Nazis and turfs and the trans people. No, it puts people in danger. It allows for fascist entryism into your movements. It's a really, really bad way to go about things. Um, and. And I also don't think it really works on any substantial level. There's studies that show that if you are debating somebody on their deeply held beliefs, like it can actually push them deeper, right? Um, yeah. Most of the people that I've spoken to who have left have left for uh, uh, reasons of, of their own, right? Something has changed in their life. Like maybe they've had... Uh, maybe they've had a child, right? And they're like, shit, I'm part of a violent extremist movement. I don't want my kid to grow up in this, right? And that doesn't mean that they've got rid of all those, like, fucked up beliefs that they had, right? But, like, that's that's sort of the trigger to them exploring other paths. And I think what we can do, right, is that we can create those other paths, right? Somebody's on a, on a, on, on, on a one-track path through this, through this political extremism, whatever it be, turfism, Nazism, whatever, right? Um... We provide the forks in the road, what what I often call uh, opportunities for offboarding, right? 
because uh, I hate the term de-radicalization. I think it implies a certain amount of agency on the person doing the de-radicalization that doesn't exist. But we we provide those paths off, right? Uh, and we provide mentors and facilitators for people who are genuinely looking for a path out. And 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 that is a separate organization of people who are willing and have consented to doing that work. That's not saying, hey, we're going to bring this Nazi now to this this trans meeting that we're having, right? Like, fuck that, okay? Um, but it's but it's work that's done separately from the from the sort of rest of the movement. So I, I yeah. If if that answers your question, I think it probably does. <laughs> it's like always so, prioritize the safety of marginalized people over this uh, over this vague idea of de-radicalization, but a path of uh, a, a path to exit has to exist. Yeah, part of the very good answer, and I thank you for that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, very that's insightful, very and I really appreciate that. And, and I, think I think there's, there's a, little a little bit of, of uh, the just world just fallacy world playing into a lot of people's outlook on this like they want to like believe that if someone is going to off board that they are fundamentally a good person and thus they deserve to have good things happen to them yeah, no not not sure at all right There's, i mean like i said it's a really really long path right they may have shit coming to them right they may have to reckon with some of the people that they've hurt right and and if they gen if they genuinely want to right if they've decided to take that walk in the path uh, that, that somebody else might have created, then, you know, they still have to walk down that path, right? And, and you know, they might decide to turn around and walk straight back. Like, it, it, it takes time. It takes time. And you have to make amends and you have to really sort of relearn what it is to live in, in the world outside of this hate group. Um, because you're talking about people whose uh, concepts of reality are fundamentally different to, to ours. Right. Um, you're talking about people who, who believe in uh, power structures, organizations, a social organization that, that just doesn't exist. Right. Uh, that's what we're talking about with like the Jewish cabal or the, uh, the, the super powerful trans lobby, all that sort of stuff. Right. They have to relearn how the world works. And that, that does take time. And as you relearn that stuff, I think if I believed that there were a super powerful group of Jewish people trying to, I don't know, uh, uh, trying to um, feminize Western people so that they could uh, subjugate them or whatever, right? Like, if I genuinely held that belief in my head, as I come to realize that that, in fact, isn't true, um, I think you can tell from people's behavior and from their actions, right, uh, whether it whether it is in fact the case that they've come to believe that that isn't true, because you would be horrified by the realization of the things that you've done and the things that you've said because you had this belief, right? And and I think we can, you know, uh, we can. I, I obviously people can fake this stuff, right? There's no there's no perfect way of determining whether somebody is fully rehabilitated, but I think we can get a pretty decent idea from from the actions and words um, sustained over a long period of time of somebody who, who claims to have come to new belief. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. think about how would you react in that situation, right, upon discovering that that's not real and you've done real-world harm to people who are innocent. Yeah, I actually have one um, important question that I really want to ask, if I may. Um, and that is, 
which do you think is should be prioritized um the inoculation of people so that they don't fall into these beliefs or the offboarding or do you feel that the there's it's maybe like a closer to even split oh no definitely the inoculation right my uh, <laughs> my model i suppose like if i was con- uh, if i was in control of like counterterrorism uh, counter radicalization whatever you want to call it if i was like the grand empress of this shit uh my model would be uh very much like a um uh like an epidemiological model right um i would i i would view this sort of stuff almost as like <laughs> i hate using the phrase but like a social contagion right like a fucking mind virus um that you have to sort of quarantine these people uh which which is what a lot of anti-fascists do with their um their work of uh deplatforming etc right uh, making it difficult for them to operate and recruit and thus grow their group. Um, and you have to inoculate the general public against these things, which is done through uh, the countering of propaganda, right? Doesn't need the person present there to do it, right? You don't have to debate a Nazi to go, these are Nazi ideas and this is why they're dumb. Um, and uh, And then finally, right, like uh, the treating and curing of the individuals. I think is the is is sort of like the the <laughs> I want to say like least least pressing and least important um it's still quite important work I would say but it 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 requires an investment of time and energy that is better spent protecting people and inoculating others against it and when I say inoculating I think one thing that we're really really missing um in uh in America in the United Kingdom is a comprehensive education in critical thinking. Um, I think the ability to be able to think critically and analyse the beliefs that you hold is something that's lacking in a large amount of people. You don't typically learn these kinds of critical thinking skills until you hit university. And this isn't saying, like, the majority of people are really fucking stupid or anything like that, right? Critical thinking is a skill that you have to learn. And I thought before I went to university that I was probably pretty good at it, right? And then I did my history degree and I went through the philosophy of history and source analysis and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I have a much better understanding of how to do this stuff now. So I would say that we probably need to teach that stuff a little earlier. And I also think it's really, really important to teach people in in uh, in the pursuit of inoculation against extremist ideologies. I think it's really important to teach people about uh, thought reform, right? Which uh, is the coercive kind of behaviours and techniques that arise, sometimes spontaneously, sometimes deliberately, in ideologically based groups. So from, like, Maoist China, right, which is where we get the term thought reform from, actually, from... um, uh, a guy, Robert J. Lifton, who studied uh, people who had been brainwashed under the mind, uh, Maoist regime. Not that I like the term brainwashed, but basically had thought reform techniques used on them to sort of less uh, less top-down directed, right? They arise uh, naturally. And, and, and these things, they stifle your ability to think critically. So the isolation, right? We can see that there's a 
huge uh, separation in the United States right now between like the the sort of liberal centery, sometimes lefty media sphere and the right wing media sphere. Right, they're growing up a complete parallel uh, reality where a lot of these people haven't come in contact with anything that kind of contradicts the ideas that they're being they're being told on One American News Network or Newsmax or whatever. Um, so those those are the kinds of things. So just a better education on on how uh, you know your social environment can stunt your ability to think critically about your beliefs. So yeah, sorry that was a long waffle, but I guess that that was good though. Good. That was yeah. really thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think so, you had a question, uh, DJ. I, I did, yeah. So. Something uh, that I've noticed in relation to what you said about how um, uh, about how you can't make them come to you, I, I feel like that's kind of an issue I have with a lot of ostensibly left-wing uh, content creators, um, whom I won't name, but I'm sure you know who I'm talking about, who have a bit of a habit of um, trying to attract the far right by, uh, you know, being ableist or transphobic. Um, yeah. And it's like, I, I just feel like that's... That's, that's not, not going to work, work. and that's, that's kind of an issue I have, which causes me, you know, to, to argue with those people, um, and it, it's to, or to argue against them, and it's like, uh, the, the other thing that I would be curious to hear your opinion on is, so I've often said that because, you know, you can't force the right wing to come to you, and you don't want to, you know, and because what I think they're doing a lot of the time is not de-radicalizing right-wingers, they're just making those right-wingers more comfortable in ostensibly left spaces, which is not good. I mean, if someone is like a, a Nazi, they, well, they should, you know, not be a Nazi. Um, and, uh, well, if they want to feel comfortable in a more progressive space, they should, again, like, not be a Nazi. But I guess my point is um, that, uh, is that, do you think, something I've thought about is they're off, they often seem, these same people who want to de-radicalize the far right and bring them to the left seem to often think that, like, center left or liberal types are kind of a, a lost cause um and I'm, I'm curious what you would uh what you would think of that like uh for instance a lot of these people are like well we can't talk to people in the center or center left or liberal sphere but we should instead talk to nazis uh, what, what do you think of that because to me that feels like you're missing a lot um uh, because those seem like people who could much more easily be brought over to the left since they're already you know halfway there maybe yeah i mean i think I think what Americans can uh, typically conceptualize as liberals, right? I think that those people tend to be quite socially progressive. Um, and I think Somewhere. that that's already, yeah, I mean, obviously not to the like, full disclosure, right? I'm, I'm, I'm an anarchist and I'm an anti-fascist. So like, I'm right out there on the far, far left. Okay. When, when Trump talks about the radical left, that's me. Um, it's not the radical left Democrats, all right? It's the, it's the <laughs> yeah, other guys who try to radical left Biden. When I say, when but, I say liberals, I'm, I'm saying like the, the, the establishment Democrats. Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. what I kind of mean by liberals. Like the Joe Bidens, the Nancy Pelosi's, and you know, the people who vote for them. And the people who pay lip service to progressive causes, and uh, I would say the followers of whom typically kind of believe that they're the those things ought to be the case, but aren't willing to make radical change to make it so, right? And I, I, I think that those people are obviously much, much closer to your position, right? Uh, these are not people that I think need, uh, like, hefty combating in the same fashion. 
Um, and I, I, I don't think that inviting the far right Nazis hate groups into your community uh, is is a good thing to be doing. Um, I think that you know while there is a certain amount of osmosis that can happen, and there are studies that show right, like if you are alone, right, if you are alone or in a very small group, and you're and and you're uh, surrounded by people who disagree with your ideas, you're much you're much more likely to become less extreme in your ideas. It also puts that group at great risk from your presence. And as we said before, right, like the priority has to be uh, protecting those people from the harmful influence of the of the far right, from the people who would seek to do them harm, right? Um, and that's where I have this big objection to the to the way that some content creators, as you said, uh, operate. I actually have uh, a fucking petition up on Twitter right now, right? Let me plug it for a second, because who knows? Maybe some of your listeners like use Twitch and might want to sure, might sure, want to sure. uh, send me a DM to sign it or whatever. So I am at Mick M X Vivian Wolf Wolf with a U on Twitter, right? And you can find my Twitter there and uh, send me a DM. Um, but it's a uh, it's a petition to get Twitch basically to to enforce their terms of service and stop uh, far right people, right? I'm talking, you know. We have a dude who keeps guesting on people's shows recently called Big Papa Fascist, right? Um, so that to, seems uh, like a bit yeah, of an obvious what? violation. Exactly. Uh, they've had uh, they've had JF Gariaki as a guest on some of their shows, right? Who we were talking about earlier, the white nationalist who uh, molest, uh, you know, uh, women with uh, uh, intellectual know, disabilities. Yeah. Intellectual fuck, disabilities. Fuck. There you go. Thanks. I was looking. I was searching for the right time to use that, but um. So, like, yes, yeah, so this petition is to ask Twitch, basically, to to make an explicit statement saying that people of that calibre, I'm not talking milquetoast conservatives, whatever, right? <laughs> but, like, people of that calibre, um, their presence on the platform is against Twitch's community guidelines against hateful conduct and a promise that they are going to actually take action against channels when they platform these individuals. So that's my... that's. That's the petition that I've written up so far. Um, I'll probably be sending it off around the end of the week. I've already had quite a few people send up, sign up, but anybody can sign up. Just send me your your Twitch handle, right? And whether you're a partner or an affiliate, um, it doesn't matter if you're not, right? If you're not a partner or affiliate, you're still a member of the community. And from my point of view, uh, you know, you should have as much of a say in. Uh, who gets let into these communities as anybody else, regardless of whether they're a streamer or not. Um, but, you know, from Twitch's point of view, they're probably likely to, uh, you know, if you are a partner or an affiliate, maybe it'll lend a little bit of extra weight to your, uh, to your opinion to them. Um, but ultimately, like, it's you guys on the ground. Like, if you're, if you're, uh, if you have your community based around some kind of Twitch community, um, it's your communities that are at risk from, uh, you know, people coming in and and spreading hate and bigotry. So, uh, absolutely, everybody deserves to like have their say in that for sure. Yeah, so, anyway, so, so that's my uh, that's my view on it. It's pretty strong. Yeah. So, so I can definitely uh, share that around because although I personally uh, am not a Twitch streamer, I, I do not stream. Um, I do know uh, quite a few of my followers uh, do. So I can definitely share that. Um, 
I need to get. Yeah, it'd be really cool. I've pinned it. I've pinned it to my Twitter profile, so it should be easy to see. But just send me a yeah. You can read through that letter on my on my Twitter profile. See if you agree with it, and if you do, send me a DM with your uh, uh, with your with your Twitch handle and whether you're a partner, an affiliate, or a regular user, uh, and I'll add your name to the document. Right. Um, I did have a minor question. Um, mm -hmm. about, uh, so how can so we how allow can for left-wing left entryism while suppressing right-wing right entryism and hate group entryism? So, left-wing entryism, uh, into right-wing spaces. Um, well, not necessarily well, not into right-wing right spaces, right but, like, but, like, allowing for allowing people who don't necessarily don't start, start on the left, on the left to come mm -hmm. into left-wing left spaces. Space. Not necessarily, not like, necessarily like, you know... Nazis, Nazis to Antifa. Antifa. That, I mean, we all we all dream of being able to have that superpower, but like you know, how do we allow for people to come in and like you know come to understand that you should care about your fellow human being, basically? Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's that it's that three pronged plan that I said before, right? It's um, it's it's isolating those that seek to recruit, uh, inoculating the general populace, right, and then providing a pathway out for those people who have been isolated. Um, that's, that's about the only way that I think that you can do it. I think the, the, it's very, very difficult to sort of like sit around in a right-wing space and start spewing like left-wing ideas and <laughs> getting people to, to, to come with you and accept that. I think that you can do it. I think the reason, so Right-wing entryism, okay, does not work well at all in anti-fascist spaces, right? It just doesn't. Um, where right-wing entryism really, really works is in spaces that are perhaps a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more liberal, a little bit less educated on on the far right, right? And likewise, any kind of left-wing entryism works pretty much on the same people. It's not going to work on, like, Nazis and fascists and shit. Um, but, you know, it, it it worked at the DNC. I mean, look at the look at the support for Bernie Sanders, right? Like, we, mm -hmm. we've absolutely managed to, uh, excuse me, take over a significant portion of the Democratic Party with a lot more, sort of, uh, like, more leftist ideas than they would otherwise be espousing, right? I'm not saying they're, like, full-on anarcho-communists or whatever, right? Um, but we've managed to push some of our ideas to get them to move slightly more towards our position, which is kind of the the, the objective of entryism. Um, yeah. Uh, e even to the point where, like, Biden has had to say, you know, yeah, no, I support some of Bernie Sanders' policies and take some of his ideas from Bernie. Um, not that I think that Bernie is the perfect leftist either, by the way, but you, you see what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, we have managed yeah. to pull them left. Yeah. He's uh, uh, exhibited a certain exhibited gravity, gravity that has been very much very lacking, lacking. so even if he's uh, not, perfect, not perfect, he's he's moved a lot of people lot in the right direction, right, even right. if just a few steps. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, a few absolutely. steps times a million yeah, people is uh, a few million mm -hmm. steps. But I think, I think the... The problem is, the reason that right-wing entryism is probably more effective than left-wing entryism is because left-wing entryism requires 
complicated <laughs> or left-wing policy requires complicated explanations because it's describing reality whereas like far-right entryism um is the is the provision of very simple answers and an, an adherence to hierarchy um that that is attractive to a lot of people uh, and doesn't require such complicated explanations why the right says like the left can't meme and then shares all those like this is a leftist meme and it's got like you know it's a massive page you too long didn't read right um <laughs> it's, yeah it's because the truth is much more complicated to convey than conspiratorial fucking nonsense yeah, um, and this is something I've, I've noticed a lot of people, uh, especially those aforementioned uh, creators who claim to de-radicalize, is this idea that we're making it too hard to be a leftist or that we're purity testing too much. And the thing is, it should be harder to be a leftist than to be a right-winger, because to be a right-winger just means you reinforce the status quo and, you know, repeat... Whatever, you know, your organization leader said, you repeat, you know, this conspiracy theory about Jews or about gay people or whatever, and you don't challenge anything. You just want to, you just keep trying to keep things the way they are. Being a leftist is going to be harder than that because you're trying to change society and make things better instead of just, uh, you know, keeping things as they are. And that's hard. Um, that That's more work. So it's like, yeah, it is harder to be a leftist. And that's kind of how it is just by nature. Um if it's uh, nature of what the left is versus the right. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, it should be impossible or that you have to be perfect all the time or anything like that. But I am saying that fundamentally, you know, being progressive is harder than being conservative for that reason. And that's how it is just by nature of how those positions work. Um, but even beyond, uh, beyond that, it's uh, that... Uh, I mean, uh, yes, yes, it, it, it is, is harder. harder. Um, um, and as for purity testing, testing uh, I mean, uh, again, people, people don't need to be perfect, but I, I feel I like feel a lot like of the time, time when people complain about, about purity testing, testing what they what mean they is something like, like, like um, um, that I'm not like being generous enough to someone who is bigoted. Because, yes, bigotry does exist in left-wing things, and it should be called out there as well. Like, we need to be better than our opponents. We need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Yeah, I think, um, so, you know, while I'm an anarchist, like, in an anti-fascist capacity, I'm I'm willing to work with people across the diverse range of political ideologies, right? Um, as long as you are progressive and fucking hate Nazis, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't care necessarily what your economic policy is, right? Um, but... Uh, so, so I would say there are, you know, as long as we hold some sort of like fundamental values in common, right? Of, uh, and and we are willing to pursue those, right? And we're inquisitive, and we're open to, uh, and we're open to criticism. And if somebody brings up and says, you know, oh, I think this thing might be like kind of racist or kind of transphobic or something, if your knee jerk reaction is, well, fuck you, woke lord, right? Like, piss, piss off, I don't want to, I'm not going to fucking work with you, right? But if you're going to, if you're going to honestly take that on and, and explore it and try and work out why it is that the person uh, saying this to you feels that, you know, this thing might be uh, bigoted in some fashion, then that's somebody I can work with, you know? Yeah. Um, nobody has to, I, in, in order for me to consider you, like, uh, like a friend or somebody I can work with, right? You don't have to be a in hardcore anarchist anti-fascist, right? My friendship group would be pretty fucking small if that was the case. 
Um, but you know, but you do have to demonstrate a certain degree of uh, yeah. ability to, to to be self-critical, I guess, and and to think and, about and, yeah, and and, and and to want and to improve. Because, and just because our enemies, you know, are, you know, being bigoted and doing, like, low stuff doesn't mean we should be, like, I hate to, uh, like, to be clear, I'm not trying to say, like, a when, when they go low, we go high thing. I'm not saying that. I, what I'm saying, though, is when it comes to, like, uh, you know, social justice or progressive policies, we should hold ourselves to a high standard, uh, you know, and not perpetuate uh, bigoted views just because our opponents are doing it, and, and again, I'm, I'm not saying that whole, like, when they go low, we go... I'm not trying to play civility here. I'm just saying we should be, you know, good, even if our enemies are bad. Like, as, as simple as that, I guess. Um, we should always, like, be seeking to, always be seeking to improve, I would say, right? Yeah, yeah. I, we, never, we, never have all, we never have all the answers, and I'm pretty sure that there are some things that I am wholly uneducated on that I have some bigoted preconceptions about, right? And that's fine. That doesn't make me any less of a leftist, right? Uh, what what makes me a leftist, what makes me a progressive, what makes me, you know, the kind of person I think that can do the work that I do is that I'm that I'm willing to listen and consider and, and, and be self-critical and not to think that I have all the answers or that I'm a perfect human being. It's that, you know, there's obviously always going to be some some stuff that I'm not educated enough on uh, that I have some stupid fucking, possibly even reactionary opinions about, right? But I don't want to hold those stupid reactionary opinions. I don't think it's okay that I hold those stupid reactionary opinions. And if I discover that something is stupid and reactionary, then I'll seek to learn more and, and try and correct that. And I think that's the important attribute, really. Is, Indeed, is, is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then that's, that's what differentiates us from uh, conservatives, because like a conservative, you know, just wants to keep that. But I think part of being a leftist is improving oneself, is learning, and is doing new things with what you've learned uh, to move forward. And I think, uh, and I, and I, and I think that's something we should all be doing. So, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think that's actually part of why it's easier to uh, radicalize people onto the right than it is to bring people onto the left is because the right just needs to sell people on self-interest versus the left has to inspire people to altruism and if once you're altruistic you have to accept that you're going to have to make sacrifices if um you enjoy some kind of privilege if you truly believe in justice and equality you're going to have to give up that privilege through policy change that will materially affect you yeah, but also I think the right sells the idea that that you that you're not fucking up, right? Like that society's fucked up and they're attacking you because you know whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think yeah, I think the left uh, the left like, much more yeah. sells the idea that you you know you're not you're not perfect and you're gonna fuck up and that's okay as long as your desire is to try and correct that in the future, whereas. Yeah, whereas the right is like, actually, you you're not fucking up. Everybody else is just being a woke gold, right? And I and I yep. think that that's a really that's a really terrible remember, way to look uh, at the world. So uh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of PragerU. It's this weird right wing group that um really self owns itself super no, hard on social media all the time. <laughs> Um, and, uh, well, one of their more revealing tweets I remember was one where they said, like, since the left tends to place blame for problems, 
on, you know, uh, problems rather than on the self or on the individuals, places it on like a system, that means, or I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing it, not saying the original thing, that means that society becomes the thing to improve and not the self. And it's like, you yeah. mm. improve yourself, but also like, we should improve society. Like yeah. that kind of, Green, like that, that's deep, right? kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah but, but also like, yeah, right society okay, right? does have problems. It's, it's like that meme, you know, about like, we should improve society somewhat, but you participate yeah. in society. How interesting. I think, I think, I think the difference is that when, when, when right-wingers talk about improving yourself, uh, they're talking about something, they're talking about you having an intrinsic fault, right? Um, it's, it's an almost biblical, original sin kind of narrative of like, yes, every man is flawed, right? Um, but it's, it's something that cannot be helped, right? And, and that you Boys are... will be boys, yeah. Yeah, but, so it, but it's almost biblical, and, and it, um, and, and I think the difference between those two sorts of views is that, like, you know, the left would say, I think, that nobody is intrinsically like a bad person, right? The flaws that you, you, you might have, uh, or perceive yourself to have, they're not, they're not things that are intrinsic to you as a human being. They're not because you're, like, a member of a particular, like, marginalized identity, or because you're, you know, they're, they're a product of the fact that we grow up in an environment, right? Systems, blah, blah, blah. Um, that that doesn't doesn't teach us the things that we need in order to be uh, better in those particular ways. And again, that's you know we should try and change the system so that it, it, it helps to um, uh, it helps to instill em empathy and the ability to think critically in the, in in people. Um, but uh, I don't think we'll ever get there. As like it's never going to be it, it's never going to be perfect, right? Um, and, and that's still not, that's, but that still doesn't mean that, like, you are intrinsically a bad person. And I think, I think the right very much believes that about some people. I, th I think they're very, very black and white in that kind of thought. I don't think anybody right, is intrinsically, right. yeah, I don't think you're born to be evil. Yeah. I think the right also places a really heavy emphasis on, um, you know, certain characteristics as a person being inherently bad. Like, um, you know, being gay as something that's bad, being trans as something that's bad, being, you know, and, and, uh, and, and you know, just being like feminine, only yeah. Or being feminine, being, being anything that isn't like their archetype of like a perfect man. Um, and it's like, uh, or a perfect woman. Um, and it's, it's like, uh, they see that all as individual faults rather than things that are, you know, just normal things that society demonizes. And, and I think that I think that, that shows, shows like a real, a real lack, lack of uh, introspection and also, also just a really weird um, obsession with how other people are going to live their lives. Yeah, yeah, I think it does. I think, again, again, we're about autonomy, right? We're about the ability to, 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 to live your life as you see fit, provided you're not doing harm to other people. There's nothing wrong with you being feminine, masculine, uh, a little bit ditzy, whatever, right? It doesn't matter. You're you you're you are you and that's great, right? Um the only time we have any kind of problem is when it's hurting other people. I think uh yeah, but then the uh, we're we're constantly in contention with this almost quasi fascistic idea of the ideal human being, right? Um 
Which, yeah, the, you know, the on the left, it's like, you can be you however you want to be you. And on the right, it's like, there is a proper way to be a man, to be a woman, to be uh, a citizen of the United States. Right. And, there's a proper there's this, way to do that. And there's an improper this... way. Yeah. And there's this fundamental con, and with their idea of like the Ubermensch that they have, um, there's this fundamental uh, contradiction uh, where they're like claiming to be all about individuality and you know about the self over the community, but really they're not about that at all. Like no, they, no. they claim to be, but it's like this inherent contradiction where they're like, it's all about you, the individual man. Um, yeah, I... and then it's like, but at the same time, it it then is just like, um, uh. Well, but it accepts, that. it accepts no individuality. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it like, only well, so conformity. it's you, you as the individual, so long as you're conforming, the minute you stop conforming, uh, no more individuality for you. Um, you yeah. better do what society says, and the only degree of autonomy people have is to sculpt themselves to that model, which isn't really autonomy at all. Yeah, they do. An it's, <laughs> it's an illusion. It's a profound Darvo tactic, I feel like, because, like, they're the people who, like, when the left is saying, okay, it's okay for men to be feminine and still be men, or it's okay for people to be trans women or just trans in general, and then the, you know, PragerU comes around and tries to spin it as us trying to take away autonomy, and they, they say absurd things, like, the left wants to take away your penis, it's like... No, <laughs> Man, manly men are still like we're not trying to take away their manliness. I'm just trying to know if that's an actual. I'm pretty sure that one's fake. I've heard that one's fake, but I don't actually have proof either way. Although I've heard it's fake. It's tough, isn't it? With Dennis Prager, it really could be true. But I'm pretty sure it's very much applies. I feel like it's true. I feel like I saw it, but it could be just the Mandela effect at this point. Yeah. It's the kind of thing Prager would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alright, well, this was a fucking long and winding road. Um, I had a great time. A I am overheating. Topic. So, uh, Me too. Do you have any, I think like, I need last, to... have any, like, last-minute thoughts we want to share before uh, wrapping everything up? Um, not off the top of my head. <laughs> We covered a lot. We did. Uh, I think now's a great time for me to be able to turn on my air conditioning without adding background noise for Rachel to filter out and hop out of my right. blanket fort. So, so since uh, I... yeah. So I should, think, uh... should we just like we should just like plug our own stuff then? And uh, I, I meant that in the in the non NSFW way. Um, I was about so, to joke uh... that it would be funny if we just all like left. And just abruptly the conversation <laughs> ends. But yeah, I think that would be a, a reasonable way to conclude is uh, a right. little, little talk about our stuff. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I am, um, of course, still DJ Cthulhu. Um, I can be found on Twitter at RealDJCthulhu at R-E-A-L-D-J-C-T-H-U-L-H-U. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, Lunos? Uh, I am Lunos Nocturne. Um, working on getting my Twitch back, or uh, sorry, my Twitter back. Um, I'm also going to be spinning back up on streaming again. So my uh, Twitch is uh, twitch.tv slash Lunos Nocturne. L-U-N-O-S-N-O-C-T-U-R-N-E. I am bad at spelling out loud, so if I got it wrong, I'm sorry. And last 
but mostest because we are super proud to have you on our podcast. I oh, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I am uh, Mix Vivian Wolf on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm an anti-fascist historian and extremist researcher, uh, and I mostly talk about cults and extremism on my Twitch channel. Uh, you can find me on any of those platforms. Uh, it's the same name, brand recognition, right? Uh, MX Vivian B I V I A N Wolf with a U, not an O. Um, yeah, uh, stop by. Thank you right, so uh, much. Thank for you joining so us. much for joining us. Mm. Uh, and uh, we will uh, ho hopefully talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Good, good night, everyone.